unlike some professions, there are still many paths to an HR career. You may enter through a formal education, a junior HR role, through an administrative role, maybe via payroll or perhaps even through an operations leadership role. I've personally witnessed colleagues join the HR professional club through all of those avenues. And while none of them are the wrong way, like there's possibly a wrong way to launch your career, I do notice a difference in the approach to HR with these varied points of entry. This, of course, is changing as our profession becomes more recognized as, well, just that, a profession. This includes having professional designations that employers expect their HR professionals to have completed, and they indicate that the individual has an acquisition of this body of knowledge. But that's not always the case. There are lots of people out there who believe that anyone can do HR, which always strikes me as really funny. This is like me waking up one day and saying, hey, I can be an accountant or an engineer or manage people who do that kind of work, as if. Yet I've heard this from professionals in other disciplines over the course of my career. It's as if somehow figuring out how to address the complexity of a human being is actually easier than following a generally accepted principle that's been applied with the same results for eons. Okay, rant over. I have nothing against other professions, but seriously, guiding an organization in the management of their most valuable and complicated asset is not an easy task, and it's definitely not for the faint of heart or those with giant egos. But I will admit that not all HR professionals are created equal, in the same way not all accountants, engineers, or CEOs are created equal. There are HR professionals that don't understand the purpose of their vital role, and instead they get caught up in becoming the policy police at best, and at the worst, a roadblock to management or leaders. So today I wanted to talk to those of you that might be struggling with what your role as an HR professional is regardless of how you entered the profession or the title that you hold today. But before I do that, I want to give a quick shout out to another HR mentor listener. Anna Mack says, with my first HR interview in just a couple of days, the information on this podcast has helped me tremendously in preparing for it. I feel more confident knowing I have a plan and a direction as to how to prepare. Anna Mack, thank you so much for sharing this and for the feedback. I honestly hope that you felt great about your interview experience and especially that you landed the role. And once you do get it, this episode is going to help you knock it out of the park. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately, a fulfilling HR career. Dave Ulrich is a well-known HR researcher and educator who is often referred to as the father of HR. I'm not sure who plays mother, but he certainly is an expert in the competencies required to be effective in this profession. Approximately every five years, for as long as I've been working in HR, Dave has been publishing his research on where and how HR professionals need to focus their time, skills, and competence. It's interesting to see how perspectives have shifted over the last two decades, and inspiring to see where we're headed. 
In his latest body of research, which he summarized in his book, HR from the Outside In, Ulrich says that the most important thing leaders and HR professionals deliver to an employee is an organization that wins in the marketplace. I love this because it firmly places the HR function at the heart of the organization. And it's so true. If we're not focused on helping our organization succeed in achieving their purpose or mission, then what the heck are we doing? One of the first lessons I teach in my staffing and planning course is the primary purpose of an organization. It's a lesson I learned in my MBA leadership course, and it's the wisdom of another incredible researcher and educator named Annabelle Burrell. In her book, Leadership and Change, she states that the primary purpose of any organization is to remain relevant and survive. Students that have taken my course are probably saying that in their sleep because I drill it into them over and over again. Now, that might actually seem really obvious now that you've heard it, but when I do ask the question in my class, what is the primary purpose of the organization, most say to make money. And then we talk about nonprofits and government, etc. But really, when you think about it, that is such a poignant statement. If organizations are no longer relevant, they will not survive. Need I say blockbuster? I won't. So how do organizations stay relevant? They have to manage resources. Financial resources, intellectual, physical, and human. Now in my class, I always make the argument that the only one can't do without is the human one. Now I'm not going to make you go back to school today. You can just take my word for it. In any case, when I combine the wisdom of these two brilliant people, it seems crystal clear that the role of HR professionals is to help manage the human resources in an organization that allows it to remain relevant, and I would argue do more than survive, but win in whatever marketplace or space they're in. Now in my class, I usually make my students endure a whiteboard exercise that I get really super excited and passionate about, and it illustrates this whole process. But you're off the hook today since all we have is audio. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not the VP of HR, and you may not be an HR leader. But I would argue that no matter where you are situated in the org chart, you can drive the relevant and win purpose of the HR function. And today, I'm going to share four things you can start doing right away to help accomplish this. They are, number one, know the business that you're in. Number two, know your customers and stakeholders and what drives their behavior. Number three, build positive relationships with your internal clients and business leaders. And number four, make your HR functions as effective and efficient as possible. Now, each of these could be a whole episode on their own, so I'm only going to provide a few points on each but I promise it will give you enough direction that you can start taking steps towards becoming an incredibly effective and impactful HR professional in no time. And if you're not in an HR role yet, you should still be taking notes. Knowing this will help you with your job application, your interview, and it will ensure that you're making a positive first impression wherever you land that first role. Let's start with number one, know the business you're in. 
This might sound super obvious to many of you, but a lot of people in support roles in organizations don't really understand their organization. And by knowing the organization, I don't mean just knowing what you sell or what service you provide, but really understanding it. How do you earn revenue? What are your biggest costs? Who are your customers? And what do all the people in your organization do? You should have a really good sense of all of this. As well, you need to deeply understand what the vision, mission, and strategy of the organization is. If you don't see it published anywhere, you should ask somebody. There are lots of ways to find information through annual reports, internal emails, and your organization intranet. At one place I worked, one of the best things they did is every month the finance department came and did a presentation about where we were financially. And it was so valuable to us understanding where the organization was going and how we could better support it. But if you're working in a smaller organization, you may not have this at your fingertips. So the best thing you can do is buy someone a coffee that might know and ask. Start with the person you report to and go from there. It's really difficult to align what you do with the goals and purpose of the organization if you don't know what that is. It also makes it really hard for you to help them hire, onboard, and manage employees to achieve that purpose if you don't have a deep understanding of what it is. So make sure that you know the business you're in and know it in as much detail as you can find. The second thing that I want you to do is know your customers and stakeholders and what drives their behavior. Why do your customers or stakeholders choose to engage with your organization? Are you the only choice in your market or is there something else going on here? What is their demographic characteristics and what motivates them to engage? Knowing this intimately is critically important in HR, especially if you're supporting recruitment. If your customers are engaged with your company because, let's say, you have transparent processes and they want to hire people who also value transparency, you need to know that. You may even want to look at an assessment tool that measures integrity or honesty in candidates. Yes, those exist and some of them are actually quite valid. You see, if you understand why people engage with your organization in the first place, you can help hire and retain human capital, and that will deliver the experience your customers expect. But if you don't know what that expectation is, you're probably going to miss the mark. Now, in an ideal world, you would be able to sit down with one of those customers or stakeholders and ask them what drives their behavior. But that might not be possible or even appropriate. What can you do instead? Try and talk to the people who engage directly with your customers. This might be sales, it could be marketing, and even if you don't have a sales or marketing department, you probably have somebody who's engaged in those activities. Buy them a coffee and try and really understand what it is that drives customers or stakeholders to choose your organization. How are you differentiated? Because within that information, you'll be able to find ways to align not only your own behavior as an employee of that organization, but also the behavior of future employees by providing the right recruitment processes, the right onboarding, training, performance management, etc. 
but you really need to understand what it is that's driving their behavior. The third thing you can do is build positive relationships with your internal clients and business leaders. Now, I talk about this in episode seven, how to make an impression in the first 90 days. But one of the best ways to be effective in your HR role is to build positive relationships within the organization. Now, when I say positive relationships, I don't mean you have to get all up and personal with them or become friends and hang out after work. In fact, that can actually be quite difficult in our role, but maybe that's a future episode. But while you don't need to be BFFs with everybody, you do need to establish some rapport and trust with leaders. Why? Because they will not only share information with you, but they will also trust you and listen to the advice you give them if they believe you have their best interest at heart. For example, if your internal clients think that all you care about is enforcing policies and wagging your finger at them when they don't follow them, and if you tell them how wrong they are all the time, they're not going to seek you out when they have a people challenge to solve which makes it really hard for you to help the organization win. By understanding what their needs are and how you help them achieve their goals, and thus the organization's goals, you establish trust. Does that mean you sometimes have to bend the rules or find creative solutions? Absolutely. We're dealing with people, not robots, after all. And truly, that is the fun of HR. Nothing is really clear-cut and written in stone, despite what some people believe. Now, we're not going to violate the law, but really there are so many ways to solve people problems without just pointing to a policy manual. Your job is to make the organization stay relevant and win. And the only way to do that is to help the leaders in your organization win, as long as their goals are aligned with the organization's goals. So building those relationships are critical. Again, one of the easiest ways to do this is to seek out information from them. Call them up, ask them questions about what their people do. Most organizational leaders love to talk about what's going on in their department or what their challenges are. And if you're a willing, active listener, they'll probably share more than you even bargained on. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone or send an email and set up a time to meet, or in these days, do a Zoom call, but find out what it is that they're all about and how you can help them. The fourth and final thing you can do is make your HR functions as effective and efficient as possible. Now I included this one knowing how hard it can be in some organizations. Employing tech where tech doesn't exist can be costly and time-consuming, and yes, change is hard for people. But in order to really focus on helping the organization win, HR professionals have to do whatever they can to get out from under the paper and manual processes. There is so much tech to support HR functions these days that you could spend a year just researching them all. My advice would be to look at your most painful, time-sucking manual process and look at how you can employ some level of tech or automation to help. It might not be the whole process at first, but if you can make the business case, oh yeah, learn how to write a business case, and show cost savings to the department and organization, and you offer to take the lead on it, chances are someone's going to listen to you. 
I know some of you are not in decision-making roles, but if you are on the front lines of HR, you are poised perfectly to bring this to the forefront. Your leader might not even understand how much time you are spending performing manual functions. Take the initiative, take the chance, make a case, and just see what happens. Remember, the answer is always no if you don't ask. Now, if you understand the first two points I made in this episode, the purpose of the organization and what your customers really want, you can also make the argument that getting rid of manual processes will free up time for you to engage in activities that are going to help deliver the best customer experience and keep your organization relevant. For example, if you implement an ATS, an applicant tracking system, and you stop printing resumes, you can spend your time creating innovative new job ads or managing a company's social media page or even creating an employer brand that's going to help you attract your ideal candidate. See how much that makes sense? All you have to do is take the time to figure it out and make the case to whoever can make that decision. Okay. I know I went through those pretty quickly, but it's a school night, and this teacher needs her Zs if she's going to make it through the first few weeks intact. So to summarize, I believe the purpose of the HR function is to ensure the organization stays relevant and wins in the marketplace. And I believe that regardless of your HR role, you can help deliver on this purpose by taking small steps each day in four key areas. Again, they are number one, know the business that you're in. Number two, know your stakeholders and customers and what drives their behavior. Number three, build positive internal relationships with your client groups and business leaders. And fourth and finally, do what you can to get rid of manual processes and make your HR functions as effective and efficient as possible. Look, I know policy and rules are important. The law does underscore everything we do in HR. It's a given, and we need to make sure that our managers are engaging with our candidates and employees in an ethical, equitable, and legal manner. But if your HR function stops at policy enforcement, you are most likely going to be the one feeling like you're no longer relevant. And that, my friends, is not going to feel like winning. Thank you so much for listening today and for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, and I would be so very grateful if you subscribed and shared some love with five stars. In the show notes for today's episode, which you can find on my website, I'll leave some links to both Dave Ulrich and Annabelle Burrell's work, and I encourage you to check them out. As always, if you have any feedback about this topic or any others, or if you even have a topic you'd like me to cover, send me a message on LinkedIn or an email. I always love hearing from you. Until next week, stay safe and take care. Bye for now.